want to start off by dedicating this episode. Very, very special birthday wish. Winona McCullough, daughter of our one and only Pocket Rock, celebrating a birthday today, Monday. You're welcome on in. Enswell Boxing, Ireland's only boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. And you'll find all our episodes, new and old, www.enswellboxingpodcast.com. You can WhatsApp us, 083351-5250. And of course, you'll find us on all the social media platforms. And it is a privilege and it is a pleasure and it is always to be in your ears for this episode as every other episode. And I hope it finds you in as healthy and safe and state of mind as possible. 13 days or so now into lockdown and it's, it's, it's getting real now. It's getting real and it's time for all the messing to stop. But we're going to take a little break from all that doom and gloom for this episode. And here's what's coming up. We've got the second part of that fascinating episode with Cutman and Raps expert Tommy McCormick. Trust me, I've been there. I had the pleasure of being around Conan and his team for for nearly 10 weeks. Right? And they did not stop. They walked. They walked hard. And we've got Cork's fighting phenom, Nicole Hayes, speaking about her boxing career and how it's changed most of the parts of her life. I was meant to be 46 kilo uh, the, morning of, the morning of it. And I ended up weighing in like 47.9 in my club. And I had about an hour to get it off me. As the famous song from West Side Story goes, minutes seem like hours, the hours pass so slowly. It's certainly something people haven't been used to do, is to try and fill their days. It's going for a kick around with the kids, or a walk on the curra, or a walk in the field, or, or by the river, or wherever the case may be. Doing it responsibly, but at the same time not having to race back, and not having to worry about, oh i got to get back for training, or i got to get back for this, or i got to get back that. If, if you're a boxer, sparring, fighting, training, rest... It's all of that, and it's a pace of life, I guess, that um, I've, I would always have said I like, and I, I, I do like the pace of the life, but i got to admit, now, you can feel the anxiety, you can feel the little bit of, not, I won't say anxiety, I don't know what the word is, it's, a, it's like a frustration, it's like when you've got taking things off your list to do, you're organised, you're doing certain things, wherever you got to do them, and then you find yourself having to maybe double think or rethink whatever the case may be should it be okay to sit down and watch tv or watch this or read that book but that's what it's all about that's what we got to do right now and that's the only thing that's going to work because we know what's not working what's not working is people taking this blasé attitude that ah sure i can do this ah sure i can do that look that's not working okay and what you're doing is you're contributing to the problem and you are you're just you're just making it worse okay so let's try what we know does work and let's just try it properly and let's get it behind us and laugh at it then when it's gone. As I said, for me, the battle has been to keep creative and to keep try some way centre of the road as as far as being normality, not going to bed too late, not getting up too early. Not getting up too late either at the same time. Uh, a little bit of homeschool, a little bit of mind work, keep yourself focused and then try and organise, from my point of view, interviews and I suppose the van studio and things like that and just to chill out a little bit and not be so pent up and worrying about what might or might not get done or what might get done next month or whatever else because the truth is right now nobody knows nobody knows so let's just be in the now let's have the crack let's do what you can do right now and what else ever whatever else doesn't get done doesn't get done and it's materialism uh, it's irrelevant now what you got what you haven't got what's in the bank what's in the driveway what's in the house whether it doesn't matter it doesn't matter as long as you're healthy and as long as your nearest and dearest are well and since the lockdown i gotta admit I have felt that little bit of tension. It's not something I've felt before, to be honest with you, because you don't get a chance. I'm not worried. I'm not in any way concerned or afraid. It's just a little bit of frustration, I guess, as I said, and that's managing that on a daily basis. That is working now. It's just finding a new way. And people as a whole that I've seen are positive. They're together. They're united. They're, they're learning to deal with when, when they feel their tensions and when they feel their, their stress levels, if you want a better word. They're, they're learning to manage them. There are the morons out there. We know there's morons out there. And morons will do what morons do all the time. But by and large, folk are fighting together. They're adjusting, adapting. And in some ways, fighters and boxers are maybe more prepared for this scenario as they're used to the seclusion of camp life. They're used to the having to think on their feet 
having to deal with their mental battles on the spot. And when it's all said and done, we will be able to all look back together and laugh at this in the future. A shout out to Alan Pike. Got in touch with me early in, later in the week, last week, asking for to post some of the better quality and the well-known fights in throughout history that people may or may not have seen. So we've posted a few of those and we post one every day and watched a couple of myself last night. Of course, the Light Hunnigan versus Donald Curry upset. Probably one of the greatest for, from a British point of view. And as well as that today, from an Irish point of view, uh, Oisín Fagan against Eddie Highland. Tremendous battle in the Tata Arena from, I think, somewhere around 1995, if I'm not mistaken. Brilliant fights. But uh, some of the other stuff, people are asking for a entertainment podcast. I'm looking at listening to the two Johnnies. I listened to PJ Gallagher for a good laugh. Fighter and the Kid, of course. Great laugh as well. Brian Callan as well. And uh, the Murder Squad from a real crime standpoint I'd like to listen to that uh, music listen to some Oasis some old U2 listen to some new stuff there on Spotify as well and have a couple of playlists that I like to uh, put in the years when the mood suits uh, movies I'm trying to watch one old one new every day haven't got to that yet but going to get to that as I said the fights uh, Castillo Corrales was another one that was just an amazing fight um, still in the middle of Eamon McGee's book and on Netflix you're just you've got really a limitless end of s- supply there Tiger King <laughs> bizarre shout out to the G train Graham McCormack I think Graham was uh, infatuated by the Tiger King. I think he's taken up his campaign to try possibly have him released as well. And Dare Me is another one that I'm into right now, let's just say. It's quite good, quite good from many, many different points of view. And The Crown, still at that one as well. A few changes that are going on around the podcast here. Uh, I've, as I said, changed recently to a new platform. Brand new host with Buzzsprout, which offers a more complete set of statistics, breakdown of demographic, who's listening where and how and for how long which gives me a better idea as to how to tailor things from a statistics point of view and from a growth point of view I can uh, I can see where you're all at I can see where you're listening and thank you very much appreciate it really really much very much the van studio as we want to call it, the, the the wagon the vengabus whatever you want to call it it's uh, moving along nicely definitely really definitely making some nice improvements there now desk has gone into it soundproof has gone into it and there's a few more bits to go over the next couple of days and weeks it's insured it's on the road it's just a matter of getting it kitted out properly now and starting when things get back on the road john duddy dry sheen dave coldwell plus quite some a lot of our of our homegrown stars and our up and coming stars will be coming on the episodes over the next couple of days and weeks so stand by from that it's productive time all around and it's as I said from that standpoint it's keeping me sane but before I go into any more on that we're going to hear from Tommy McCormack who if you haven't already had a chance to the listen to the first Billard, part, I suppose, it's in our previous episodes so gather listen to that I'll put the link bit, in the um, show notes for this and, and then you can listen point. to this you, part here so here's you, Tommy McCormack. you were a big 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 part of that and um I, for me, if I'm being brutally honest, and I'm going to be brutally honest because it's all I can yeah, be, yeah. going into that fight yeah. was always going to be, to me, unless something dramatic happened, it was going to be the way it was. It was Connor was going to come with gusto. He was going to bring what he brought. He was going to give everything he had for as long as he could. But to me, at the end of the day, you were dealing with probably on any other night and against any other opponent, Connor probably would have, you would you would have given him a fair shake. But such is the such is the level that we're dealing with. Now I know you can't say that to a fighter before the fight you're, you're there to give it everything and, and did but you're dealing with one of a very 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 rare breed but the event oh. the event itself threatens at times I suppose to, to likes me people of a lesser experience could, could at times yeah. if you didn't have the ability or the experience to, to fight the fight and not the occasion H- how was it from, from I suppose a synopsis of it from your point of view from, from when it starts and how you get to it and the event itself and, and now looking back at it it's all, it's all, it's all, it was and probably still the most surreal experience I've had in this game and of in any combat sport. Um, so I remember the day they announced on the radio, uh, and I was just, I was actually getting ready to go out to the gym. I was just down the show and they announced on the radio, um, that the Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor had agreed to fight. And I went like, holy shit. Yeah. Excuse the language, but I just, I, I was absolutely, Gobsmacked, um, and literally within, uh, I think it was about five ten minutes of me hearing it from on the radio. I got a text message off John Cabin, who I knew I'd been around SPG for, for quite some time, so I knew John. He rang me, so congratulations on the fight, and he said, "Look, 
would you like to be involved with the Irish part of our camp? So the, the plan was to do three weeks in Ireland of intensive learning, you know, learning, because like, basically they were going into a different sport. Like even for John and Owen, they, they're used to calling in MMA. It's different protocol for boxing. So they brought everything in. So they treated everything. So every time they sparred, it was a fight. Every time they hit gloves, or every time they hit pads or bags and wrapped his hands, everything, like everything was... They, they, I mean, they didn't leave any stone unturned. They really put their heart and soul into this. Now, there was loads of talk. Is he going to bring in a, a boxing coach? There was talk of Pastor Collins coming in. There was talk of loads of people coming in. Now, I believe they took the best thing ever. I don't believe there's any coach in the world that could have trained Conor McGregor to box, um, what, what we would say, um, the boxes we know like to not do anything outlandish, to not do anything. There was nobody well, I could have taught gone out to box in twelve weeks to be Floyd Mayweather, just in a straight yeah, on boxing. Yeah, I agree with you, yeah. So what so so what they done was early stage, the first time he'd done it, he he had his hand sort of on the on the on his opponent's waist and he was hitting from behind. So that's holding and hitting. So he says, you can't do that. But he says, But if you're behind and you hit without making contact with your other hand, you know, you're just hitting that's it's the fighter's job to protect themselves. So it's not illegal. It's not what we see in boxing, but it's not illegal. So I went, okay, that's that's an area. So these were things that they worked on. They also worked on stuff that you could do on the clinch, using jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Um, you know, like, so they were looking to bring different aspects, hoping that there was stuff that Floyd hadn't seen because we weren't. He wasn't fighting what you would call um, you know, your your everyday fighter. He was fighting someone that was going yeah. to do something different and be unpredictable. And what I, what I, without being disrespectful, what I would liken it to is if you if you have a high-level boxer and you bring in a novice that's never, and they spar, and the novice does something they're not expecting because they're novice. What Conor was doing was, not, obviously Conor's not novice, he was a, you know, a, a double weight world champion in two, in two MMA organizations. So you like a high-level fighter. But he was going to do something that we that hopefully nobody had seen in boxing. So, yes, we were looking for, hopefully, Conor lands that big shot. Um, now, again, like, it's always a big ask. You're looking for a knockout, and you're looking against a guy like Floyd Mayweather, who, who has a good chin. Well, like, even, even when he was hit, he's a good chin. Maidana rocked him a couple of times. Uh, Shane Mosley rocked him a couple of times. He's been hurt, but knows how to survive. So you're looking at, it was a massive ask. Oh, here's the thing, right? Could have happened. Can lightning strike? Yes, it can. Yeah. Definitely a combat sport. A hundred percent. And we've seen it. And, and, and even if you take Connor's career, all the way through his career, there was questions. Can he deal with this? Can he deal with that? Can he? And he did. Each time he deal, he, you know, he he, he, he surprised us all. Yeah. He just so so. We got to a stage where going into it. Yes, I was very aware of of how big a task it was. Like it was a monumental task to be Floyd Mayweather in a box match in your first ever professional foot. If you'd asked me, would I, would I, would I put my house on it and not happen? No, I wouldn't, because it's fighting and anything can happen. One punch can change it. Connor did manage to land his 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 left on on Floyd and Floyd Floyd Eddie, you know. But I I also do believe that Connor was moving when he threw when he threw the punch. So I don't believe we got the full punch of Connor McGregor. So if he if he landed that again, knees bent and sat down on the punch, would he have made more of it, uh, an impact? Yeah, I definitely think so. Would he have knocked him out? I don't know. You know, it's, 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 it's um, it's all, it's all um, guessing and yeah, everything else. But it's, from it's a point of view of, of watching, watching, um, watching it unfold and up close, I suppose the event itself, we we got the unprecedented access to it, which was, I would say, for me, the event was 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 just the event. It was it was what it was. But I would say the build up to it to me was the best part of it. It was probably where. It reset the bar for 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 access to the fighters and the teams and everybody had a little bit of, and the, and the one liners with Connor and Floyd were it was a perfect storm oh. in that sense. But watching it unfold in front of you and watching Floyd even at that point of his career from a boxing fan's point of view. Not, again, I don't want to take that from Connor. I'd, uh, no, I'm I'm no. a massive fan of what he's done and how he's done it. Sometimes he's he's crossed up, but listen, he's he's a pay per view star. He's done what the likes of Ali and those have done. He's he's blurred those lines at times. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's part look, of selling seats. But yeah, look, Connor Connor's one of these guys. I'm, like if you go and look through the history of sports, the history yeah. of sports and the time. So if you look at you've your Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah. You've your Mike Tyson, you've your Bruce Lee, you've your Hulk Hogan. 
These are guys that you could drop in the deepest, darkest jungle anywhere and they're four corners and people know who they are. Conor McGregor is one of these yes. people. He's one of these people. And there's, there's, like, you look at, there's so many sensational footballs out there. Like, you know, and you could drop them in the middle of New York and people would know who they are. Look at, like, you know, like Keith Holman, you could probably drop him yeah. in a lot of places and nobody would recognise who he was because they're not boxing fans. But these are crossovers that they appeal to movie, you know, they're like movie stars. Everyone knows who they are. You know, and as Connor is one of these people, um, and like, to see his work ethic, um, you know, to, to be up close and see his work ethic, I mean, he takes, he gets a lot of criticism, of, but it's people that don't know fighting and don't know the game, because it's easy to criticize and say, he's not doing this, he's not doing that, he's not doing this. Trust me, I've been there, I had the pleasure of being around Connor and his team for, we don't know, three, seven, for nearly 10 weeks, right? and they did not stop. They walked, they walked hard, you know, and they left no stone uncovered. Where we see it falling apart on the fight is when Floyd starts changing it up, you know, and that's the, that's the thing you get with Floyd. Floyd can give you any look. Floyd can do anything. So it doesn't matter what you prepare for. Floyd can give you something new on the night and, and around, you know, at any stage. So um, where we started, so I thought the first trade, Connor was quite successful. Um, and then when Floyd started to, put the hands up and just walk Connor down. Because uh, Connor, Connor literally punched himself out. Um, and and like, the, the sad part of it was he wasn't giving any of the rounds. Like, they didn't give him any of the credit no. at all uh, on the scorecards. And I thought that was very unfair. I, you, you were never going to win on points. Uh, I think what would have been a moral victory would have been if Connor had went the distance with Floyd. Didn't matter about losing. He could have lost, you know, every round but to go the distance with Floyd would have been a moral victory but kind of, I think what he done was amazing his first, his first time as a, as a professional boxer uh, to go in against Floyd Mayweather arguably the best fighter of our de- decade you know of our era yeah. um, you know to see him do that was you know second to one I don't know here's, here's, a, here's a, a question for you that, that, will we see him with a pair of boxing gloves on him again yeah I do believe so but I, I believe an awful lot depends on his UFC performances. So um, Connor seems very, very focused at the minute. Big time. So it, I think you're going to see him fight probably three, maybe two, maybe three fights in the UFC. Yeah. Right? Where you're looking at, but he's got to he's got to look like Connor of old, like Connor that we know that's just you know is. is Air chatter. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and, and then you're looking at, right, so you have the possibility the Manny Pacquiao fight. That could happen. Now, that's that's very easily done. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is with Paradigm Sports Management, who Connor is also with. Um, so you're looking at, you know, that's a fight that can be done easily overnight. Dana White is a massive, massive fan of boxing. Mm. He was a boxing guy before he was into the MMA scene. Um, and he has his own Zuffa box and the McGregor entertainment, and he's working hand in hand with Floyd. Now the hard part is, is selling the fights. So it's got to be, you know, it's got to be money a money maker. So this is how Conor's performances in the UFC have to be electrifying. So what he done against Donald Cerrone was literally, you know, like there's all those arguments Donald Cerrone this, he was that, he was that. No. Donald Cerrone, regardless of winning or losing, Donald Cerrone is an absolute warrior and doesn't get beaten up like that. Conor McGregor absolutely beat him up um, and and left him looking like a very ordinary, very old man. And that's not down to Donald, that was down to Conor's performance on the night. Just to touch on what you said there about Conor being focused, I I have it on good authority. He's working with uh, Tony Robbins and doing a lot of focused stuff there. So if we see a Conor McGregor focused committed and in love with the sport again yeah and, and just to give it you're 100% right just to give Donald Cerrone his props there as well people need to realise that man spent a night in hospital with a concussion he had a double fracture to his um, his orbital his, his orbital his yeah so when people that don't understand an orbital injury my first experience of, a, of an orbital injury was with Sean Cray who's also down in Australia with uh, Philip Zuckloff in his last fight and I remember it was a very hard uh, fight um, it finished in the draw. I really thought Sean should have been given the nod on it, but it is what it is. You know, we were the away fighters, even though we weren't the way. We were, you know, it was an MTK show. We were boxing in the home corner, but we were Irish lads boxing in England. Um, and to see a guy, like, the, the, what had happened was he had an orbital injury, so the bone had fractured, but it actually 
nipped at the eye. You oh. know, the, the shard. Had, so Sean's vision was absolutely terrible. And it took, I mean, I think it was a matter of weeks before his eye injury came back to normal. And like he retired after that, but you're just going, you have no idea what it's like to fight with. You know, even, look, man, anyone that's experienced a broken bone knows that feeling when you're broke. You imagine that in your face. Great right? against and itself. And that's what's happening with these guys. So, like, look, you know, Conor made Donald look very ordinary on that night. Um, that's what you're dealing with. He's just, you know, him focused, he's a very, very dangerous fighter. Very dangerous fighter. Um, and it's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm, I know Lobster's performance against Cerrone. As long as he's chipping away and training the way I'm focused. I think you're 100% right. I think he's there now. He's he's focused again. He's ready to go again. And we're seeing, we're seeing as we've seen with, with GSP, as we've seen over the years with all the greats, a second coming. Yeah. We're seeing that he's having to adapt a little bit. People don't see his, his hard work at the girls like that. Look, his whiskey is, like, everything is very, very driven with him. Um, yeah. And this is the thing. Like, yeah, look, if he went off the rails, that's allowed. He's a, he's a yeah. human he, being. He's without a doubt now back on track. Where it goes, he's, what it leads to is anybody's guess. Covid nineteen virus couldn't come as time because uh, we're losing so much sport. Me, me personally, I'm losing a lot of work, but like we're losing so much sport, we're losing so much fights, and the fear of losing the Khabib and Ferguson fight. I mean, this is the fifth time they've tried to do it, and it's like the world is, it's like like the universe is conspiring against us not to let this fight happen. Um, so we're hoping, look, we're hoping beyond hope that eventually. This happens. If you, you know, go to Dubai, really I think, are they talking about Dubai or somewhere like that? That seems to be the likelihood. But then, even at that, it, it's look. We we don't know because, look, at the minute, right, we we're dealing with a, a, a pandemic that we we're nobody. We're not sure of the timeline. If you look at so China, seemed to be. I think today was the first day they had no new cases. So that's China being dealing with this for four months. Yeah, they built two hospitals in the space of six weeks to deal with this pandemic. Absolute, you know, like it's it, I'm speechless as to how they yeah. dealt with it. We've six oh, years and we can't get the fucking one done in Dublin. We are seeing like China forms to tackle this problem, yeah, and they have been ruthless mm-hmm. dealing with this problem. Like they have shut in it, shut the area down. They've shut it down. Uh, no, sadly, the worst thing about this virus is that unlike SARS, um, that it's. Contagious. It's contagious even when dormant. So even though you you have it and you're not showing any signs, you're contagious. Where with SARS, you weren't contagious until you actually showed effects of having it. The world is dealing with this now, and unfortunately, we've been slow. We've been very slow to to jump on this. You know. So we believe we're going. We we haven't peaked yet. The UK hasn't peaked. You know, you're looking at Spain and Italy and, and you're looking at the deaths and the, the toll it's taken on the country. And it's massive. And unfortunately, I think worldwide we could be looking at maybe four to six months before yeah. we get a handle They're on They're saying four to six and possibly longer. But And uh, do you want to give a shout out to anyone before we do it? Is uh, there anyone in particular? Yeah. Is there too many? All the houses that have me, all the fighters that have me, MTK, um, Matrium, any people that use my services. Um, like, John Cavanagh, Conor McGregor, for giving me that uh, opportunity. Uh, there's so many I could go on all day, but thank you to everyone. I have walked it and I continue to walk it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I couldn't. I I am living an absolute dream life. Thanks, Tommy, for that. It's hard to believe, really, that McGregor Mayweather was way back in 2017 doesn't seem that long ago at all but interesting to hear Tommy's thoughts having been on the inside looking out when the rest of the world was on the outside looking in. So as I put the finishing touches to this week's episode let me share a funny little story with you. I can smile and laugh at it now and see the funny side of it and the tragic side of it. This day last week was Monday. I was out and about doing what I was doing trying to stay semi-sane as I have been all week. I'm not doing too bad and probably just as probably a little bit less insane if anything. But whenever um, a person in my, shall we say, neighbourhood, uh, this guy, let's say, has a habit of sticking his nose in other people's business. Now, by and large, the people I'm luckily enough, I'm really, really lucky. The people I'm neighbours with are very good. We don't live in each other's faces. We don't live in each other's hair. We say hello. We chat. We get by. Everything is fine. But not that long ago, we had a. One of these, I don't know what, I don't know, is there a word that I can use, I suppose, 
that captures it perfectly. But let's just say a fella came to the area, small man syndrome, who decided he wanted to be in everybody's friend straight away. And that that works for some, and that doesn't work for others, and it most certainly doesn't work for me. But he also has an annoying habit of sticking his nose in other people's business. And he's made a mistake of doing it with me maybe about eight months ago. We'll just say that we nipped that in the bud when it happened, and uh, he was left to know in certain terms as to whose business he should and shouldn't be involved in. Now, the way I like to work, we all make mistakes. I've made plenty of them and continue to do so. So, I don't like to hold on to stuff. I don't like to bear grudges. And I had the attitude that if he comes to me and apologises and whatever else, well then, look, the past is the past, done and dusted. But fast forward to last Monday or so, I woke up to a post of a silly, rather childish, very, very poorly worded and uh, cheap, tacky printout posted to the front van window, the windscreen of my van. And it was something about very unsightly was the title. Now, let's just put it this way. If unsightly was illegal and was a crime, there are a lot of people uh, around would be in an awful lot of trouble. And uh, this fella in particular... I don't know, let me just make this clear, I don't know who posted it. I don't know for sure yet, but I am um, I'm 99.9% sure, and the actions since have proven to me. But this uh, small man decided to approach me and say, bearing in mind this fella hasn't spoken to me or hasn't, had, hasn't grown a pair since the last time he tried to interfere. He approached me to say that he heard I had something posted on my van. I said I did. I ignored. Probably much looked through him and said that hemmed and hawed and middle and all that and tried to make some sort of an entrance. I don't know what his point was. I finished what I was doing and I continued about walking and he trotted along behind me like a two-year-old and ventured on then to say that he believes this and he believes that and he thinks something... I had to just briefly interrupt and just remind him that his opinions and his thoughts and his nose need to be taken firmly out of my business. Didn't like this. The small man didn't like this, but the small man was put back in his little place again. Now, since that, this little small man has gone about up and down the road again, talking to all the the girls on the road and being a proper member of the Flossy Posse and really just being a public nuisance. Any other fella in any other neighbourhood, in any other town in Ireland, I believe, in the first occasion when he crossed the line the way he did, the stuff that he said and the insinuations that he made, he would have been unable to interfere in business again. We'll say it that way. This time around, he didn't have the uh, whatnots to step too far into the danger zone, but he stepped nonetheless. He dipped his toe. He was reminded what happened the last time, and he was reminded not to let it happen again. Point being... In these trying times and challenging times, everybody is facing different challenge and finding different things difficult. For the most part, people are adapting, people are having to learn, and they're getting on fine. And helping each other out where they can, but also having the respect of this uncertain time to keep that required distance. And for those some who feel the need to stick their nose or whatever else into other people's business, just bear that little thought. Just bear that however frustrating it is for you, and however however annoying it is for you to want or feel like you should, just imagine how it feels for the people that you're sticking your nose into. Imagine how it feels when you have the audacity to open your mouth about something that has nothing to do with you. And just bear a thought. And just be careful. Because sometimes, and I'm speaking from personal experience, I'm glad it's proven to me that I have adapted and I've learned not to react in the way that I'm expected to react. I'm glad that I am not one of many, who would have given this fellow what he really wanted, which was the reaction that would bring future consequences for me. Didn't happen, and is not going to happen. And that sad little man that we're talking about is so frustrated. He's uh, reduced himself to walking around the road and almost checking the height of the grass and checking the amount of pebbles on the, on the path. Tragic, sad, but not anybody else's. It, it, it's up to each of us to help ourselves and adapt to ourselves. So my point is that if we are going to interact with people and we're going to mix to the best we can, make sure it's something that you can, that, that's positive for the most part. And if it's not, just try and avoid it. Try and avoid it because it's not easy. We're all feeling different levels of anxiety on different levels and different days. Some days you wake up, everything is fine. The next day, it's a little bit trickier. This one provided on the day 
quite annoying for me. I can I be honest? I can be really honest and say, yes, it did really annoy me. But now... <laughs> again as we've always said here from the get go have something positive to say bring a smile to someone's face every day make that day make that comment count on that day if you can't be nice be quiet help each other out now speaking of positive speaking of making a smile speaking of bringing some fun to people's lives Nicole Hayes a young lady picked up the boxing gloves a few years ago and has just been fast tracked to the top ever since through hard work through uh, as by her own admittance, 90% dedication and true, just a real, real talent. She was quite apprehensive before I spoke to her. She was a little bit nervous and she still is at the thought of her interview, her chat with me going out across the airwaves. But I can assure you, Nicole, you've nothing to worry about. Uh, your interview that I've listened to back here as I edited it a few times just makes me smile each time. And it's a credit to you, it's a credit to your club, to your family. Boy, a special mention, of course, as well to Ryan, who I got his name wrong earlier on in the interview. So enjoy this conversation I had with Nicole Hayes. Um, I actually started off dancing uh, first when I was three. I started dancing um, and I did it for 13 years. Um, and then at the same time, I was doing camogie for um, five years. And then I just, I gave up the dance and I was just kind of sick of it at that stage. Um, there's no big, like, All-Ireland. They have an All-Ireland every year, but it's nothing like the way we'd have an All-Ireland. It's a big fuss about it. It's kind of like something small. Um, so when I joined boxing, um, I was just in school one day and one of the girls said to me, oh, you should go down to the club and start training. And I was saying, I was only like 42 kilo at this time. I was 16 and I'm like 42 kilo for a 16 year old girl. I was tiny, like I was small and I was skinny. And um, obviously I wasn't strong. Like, so I just said, you know what? I'll give it a go. And the first night I went down, there was too many people in the club. And I was after going down and had all kind of like bottle of water with me and thinking I was going to be able to go in, but they were after turning me away. And I, I didn't know any of the coaches or anything, obviously, but um, they were all from Toker as well. And they turned me away. And same girl, Lauren, she asked me to go back, I'd say, about two months later. And they had a fight night down the club. So they had team over from Wales. And I was after going down watching it. And I was saying, I would not step into the ring. Like, I just wouldn't. So after that, then I said, look, I'll see if there's space. But I wasn't planning on boxing. I just planned on going down for fitness. And I went down and there was actually room that night. And they said, you can come in. Um... So when, obviously when I was in there, I, I was so uncomfortable. Like there were people looking at me, and yeah. when you first when you first start and you're shadow boxing, you think the whole place is looking at you. You feel so <laughs> you feel so stupid. Like, um, but really, even when people join now in the club, no one's looking at anyone. Like, but um, yeah, that was basically it. And then I started from there, and Shane, uh, the head coach, just turned around and asked, "Would I box?" And after like a month, I said, "Look, I will." Um. And I was in it, and Mickey, now my main coach, he took me over, and then I'd have Louise second in my corner, so I'd have the two of them along with the other twelve coaches in the club, like. So really and truly, and just to just to put a little line under all that, you're now a full, huge, uh, four years into it. Is that right? Yeah, first year I was sixteen, so it was my last year of kind of counties monsters, um, and then my All Ireland, so it was my only year. So I got a walk over my counties. My monsters. Then I beat a girl from Limerick, um, St Francis Boxing Club, uh, which they never heard of me. Like it was only like my second fight, and they didn't know who I was. And I went in and I beat that girl, um, and then I just went up to my All Irelands and I got a straight final against a girl Emma Feeney, um, from Cavan, I think it is. Um, yeah. So I was delighted. Then it was only like my third fight going into my All Irelands up in a big stadium, people looking at me and I not know what to do. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's a baptism of fire but you won that All-Ireland didn't you? Yeah that was my first one um, then I, that was 2016 and then 2017 I I was senior then like I was 17 then so um, we went for the seniors uh, straight up to the All-Irelands and I boxed a girl Lois Walsh in the final and I beat her that was my second All-Ireland then my third one it was only a walkover like it was um, the at one time they did all women's elites it was just women's and there was 
I think Nia Varley was in my weight and she went up a weight and there was another girl in my weight and she backed out. So not against me, but there was other reasons for it. Um, and then so I got a walkover, but I don't really count that one. <laughs> well, listen, listen now. None of this crack, right? You got you had to win fights to get there, didn't you? I know I had to make weight and everything. So yeah. I suppose that's what people say when walkovers or something. You're there, you. And no matter what anyone says, right? And this has been for people because I make this assumption all the time that people are listening and getting shout out to the people to the newbies. The people that come along here and listen to stories like Nicole's, who many of the girls, and let's be honest about it, that have took that have started to pick up, that have picked up the gloves and have gone on to be All Ireland champions, did the exact same as Nicole, went down to stay a little bit of fit, some went down to lose a little bit of weight, some went down to do both, and some went down for the yap and the chat and the crack. The whole, and lo and behold, a year or so later, they're, they're coming away with All Ireland titles. So the biggest demon and the biggest battle and the biggest fight anybody is ever going to have is to walk through that door on the first night. And to keep doing it after all those years and to carry on after all the disappointments and the injuries and the, the, and the making weight, which is not <laughs> so glamorous part. The hardest part. Yeah, yeah, like the nerve, the nerves before you step into the ring, speaking for myself anyway, I, they're, they're there the week before. Like the minute you find out that you're going into the ring and you, tr- you remember who you're, bo- not even who you're boxing, but that you have to step up onto them steps and into the ring. It just gives you like but, uh, butterflies in the stomach, like. That's interesting, uh, Nicole, because a lot of people will say that the, the longer they get at it and the longer they're at it. Now, bearing in mind as well that you're barely, you're, you're still only four years into it, which is amazing when you when you think of the uh, the achievements and the targets. A lot of the girls tend to be a little bit more nervous at times, but some can handle them, some can't. Some find. I spoke to a professional in, in Swindon, the lovely Becca Becca Connolly, told me that she can't fight until she pukes first, and then once she gets that out of the way, she's safe. And that's, that's crazy, everybody. like. So if I knew I was boxing next week, I'd be nervous now. It's more, you know, it sounds so stupid, but other boxers might relate. Like, you could be lying in bed just thinking of going to bed, and it'll just come into your head, just as you're trying to get to sleep. For me, anyway, it does. Um, and it's just, like, thinking of yourself in the ring, if someone comes at you, what you're going to do. It's just, every night, it's like that build-up for the fight, and then the day of it, I'd be nervous, like, um, trying to distract yourself with other things like music or whatever, and, or even just to chat with your coach. Um, trying to help but the last fight now against Kara Smith I was nervous all the build up and then when I was there I was saying what's the worst that can happen like I was still looking forward to it as I was there but I was, when I came out I was saying why wasn't I as nervous is that what kind of had an effect on my performance or what was it but I think sometimes you just have to turn around to yourself and kind of say like look what's the worst that can happen and all the work is done you trained, trained for the last few months just going to enjoy it as well, you know. The nerves, Nicole, is it the occasion? Is it the opponent? Is it just the emphasis that you put on yourself? Or is it everything just rolled into one? Um, To be honest, it was always, before I started boxing elite, it was just the event. Like, I, when I'm in the ring, I wouldn't care who's there watching. It's just the whole thing of it's an Irish final or it's a, it's a semi-final, whatever it is. It's just kind of like... Every time I get into the ring, it's nerves, no matter who I'm boxing. So I wouldn't say opponent matters because I boxed Kara Smith and I had the same nerves as I boxed. It could have been a novice that I was trying to improve, like help them improve. You know, it's still the same, even sparring in, in my own club. Um, I'm still so nervous. Like it doesn't matter. The minute I step into the ring, it's the same nerves. And when I touch gloves or the bell goes, the first bell, they all just go away, but it's just getting in there and getting rid of the first few seconds. Pretty safe, it takes your whole life, doesn't it? Yeah, see, that's the big step up. Even now, I'm still not, I wouldn't say I'm 100% elite boxer because I, there's still that bit in me that has to dedicate a bit more. Like, for example, on um, some days there, I could work nine to six um, and I'm a dental nurse, so I'm on my feet all day. And then I know when I go home, I'm, I have a half an hour to have food and straight down training. That's kind of normal at this stage. But for elite level, you need to be train. I need to be getting up at half six, going for my run, coming home, having my breakfast and going for that nine hour shift. And maybe, and that's what I'm saying, like some girls are out there and they'll go for that run again on their lunch break and then train that night. And I know there's just that bit of me missing that I need to kind of step up the game a bit. Um, but I'll get there slowly. Okay, you're, you're finished school, you are? Yeah, um, I did my leaving cert in 2017 and then I just went to college for a year um, just to do a course. I didn't really know what I wanted, but then I got offered a job a year and a half ago um, in a dental surgery. So I'm actually a dental nurse now a year and a half. So you knocked them out by day and then you put them back in the next day. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> From that first night you walked into the club, yeah, Leanne was able to tell me that uh, Shane told her with, 
very early and haven't seen her that we're just going to make a champion of her. Was it similar with yourself? Did you know very early on when you walked in that, okay, this is not just going to be for the crack? It's not just going to be keep fit? Um, the start, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't take it serious. Like, um, <laughs> I shouldn't really be saying this, but from my county weigh-in, um, all the coaches laugh at me now, even thinking of it. Like, But like I say, I, I joined in the January um, and the the... I think it was March. I was only in it anyway about three, four months, and I didn't have much of an idea of it, obviously. Um, but <laughs> the county weigh-ins were on, and the night before I had a party, and I was 16. Like I shouldn't even be saying this, but I went down and I went on the piss, and I was meant to be 46 kilo uh, the morning of the morning of it, and I ended up weighing in like 47.9 in my club, and I'd about an hour to get it off me. Um, and one of my coaches walked in and he turned around. He's not in the club now anymore, but he turned around to Shane, the head coach, saying, Shane, I can't train her at all. This is all a slider off her. And I had a clue, like, and I just, and they were... An hour it was trying to get the weight off me, but um, we got it down in the end. I think I weighed in like forty-five five something, but I and you. all I could see, all I could see was a kind of Fanta over on the windowsill. As I kept running around the circles trying to lose the weight, and I just, I wanted to die at that moment, like. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, no, but yeah, at the start, obviously, I didn't take it as serious as you can probably <laughs> imagine. But um, then once I won my first All Ireland, and I realised it was a thing. Like I went down to Super Value the morning after I won, and people were saying, "Oh, congratulations!" on last night, and I was saying. How are they hearing about this life? But then I realised it's big, like, you know, it's not all just the lads, it's girls as well who are getting noticed now. And then I kind of copped on a bit. Now there's still a bit more cop on to do and step up to that elite level, but I guess there. And all your opponents that you're facing week in, week out, whether you're sparring them, whether you're competing against them, they're all at it. A lot of them are at it since turn one. So there's where we're, that's just to put things into perspective for people that mightn't be listening all the time, mightn't be listening to boxing or watching boxing 24-7 like some. Um, that it's a, but, but, uh, for your own point of view, is boxing something that you do and then you leave it? Do you go away? Would you watch it at night time? Would you watch it in the evening? Would you be listening to it? Or is it just, it's what you do and you're able to park it then and get your life, get on with your life then outside of that? Or is it all consuming? Um, to be honest, um, my boyfriend, he's obsessed with boxing. So I'd often come home from training and we'd say, whether it's my house or his house, he'll throw on the boxing. It could be a fight from 20 years ago and he'll still have it on. Like he just watches all the fights. But I'd kind of be watching it in and out from it, but I wouldn't sit down myself unless I know I'm boxing in about a month's time. And then I'll sit down, watch a bit of Katie Taylor and maybe look at a few things, like look at different shots, different combinations. But I wouldn't, being honest, I wouldn't go into it in too much detail. Like, it's kind of more personal, if you want to put it in one word. Like. Yeah, so you, you, you do it when you have to do it, but you're, you're happy enough then to, to focus, to draw away from it for a little while and just get a little bit of living room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And, and I'd love to be able to do that, to be honest with you. But, uh, I know other, pe- other people probably will say that, no, boxing, like, not that boxing's not my everything, but people will say, oh, no, boxing's my everything. I watch it not morning, noon, night, and all this. But I'll just be honest and say it's actually, no. like, it's, I don't I don't sit down at home and could watch it for hours and hours. Like. Yeah. And, and let's give the man a shout out. What's his, what, can, we, can we give him a shout out and say hello to, to the boyfriend? Brian, Brian McCarthy. Brian, big up to you, man. Mind yourself. <laughs> he does. He's training in our club as well. Well, listen, don't set a foot wrong. Make sure that then, because you, you get a mean right hook, you won't, and you know all about it. I'm sure you've had plenty of <laughs> So, when I did kind of a busy year last year, um, and it was my first time actually boxing elite, I boxed in Celtic Cup in September against, that was my first elite proper yeah, uh, fight. Yeah, and then I boxed Esker in October, and that was elite um, yeah. against a Portuguese, no, against an Italian, and I find them so awkward. Um, okay. I boxed, oh, I find them so awkward, I don't know why. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll cut that one. Um, and then um, I boxed in the Winter Box Cup, I lost that. Um, to be honest, both of us didn't box ourselves that day, and... Uh, his coach, or sorry, the girl's coach came over and she, he said, "Um, I don't think it was either of your day today. You don't, you both didn't show what you have, and we were both saying no. But like, I can take a loss, so I didn't really mind. Um, and oh, before that, it's all like the elite. So I lost the elite and I lost the winter box cup. So I just took a big break. I took about two and a half months, and I'm only back at it now, about two weeks. 
Um, and then, yeah, so it's a bit hard. I haven't run since December, like, so trying to get back in that road now would be tough. But um, once I start, it should be all right. You're fine having taken that, Nicole, apart from, apart from the absolute agony now of getting back to wherever <laughs> it is you need to get back to. Do you find you have a little bit more enthusiasm for it now? Do you find it's kind of whetted the appetite a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Um, Like that now. Um, Obviously, it's so weird how my body works. I was walking around when I was eating what I wanted, not training. I was walking around 49 kilo. Um, and now I'm gone up to my natural aid. I'm only about 51 now again, but I walk around at that. But like that now, um, I know from my mental side of it, I do need that break. Because even for me going for a run, it's not even sometimes about my fitness. It's basically just to get out and get everything out of my head and listen to music, yeah. throw on the headphones and just get into my own zone. Um, and when I come back, I feel so much better. Like Say after a session, when you're having a bit, would you be one to sleep or would you be just one to be able to zone out and just go do what you've just done there? Yeah, zone out, really. Sometimes, depending on what time, like sometimes I could work nine to one. I could work four hours, I come home, I'm tired. And I other nights I could do nine to six and I go straight training. My body is just so fluctuating, like yeah. I don't know. It just goes all over the place. I think you're, uh, just, just music, to be honest. Like one of the girls in the club now, Dervla, she, um, she would highly recommend yoga. But I just don't think I'd be able to. But she always recommends it to me and says it's so good. She finds it relaxes her and takes a lot of stress off her shoulders. But I don't think, well, I can't really say until I try, but I don't think it'll be for me. But when I am when I am going to be going training hard now coming up to the under-22s in June, July, um, I probably will give it a go. Am I getting right and getting the feeling that you don't really like to think too much about the fight unless you really have to? You like to just do the groundwork, get all the stuff done, get everything you have to do, and then... When you really have to think about it, you will, but until then, yeah. you prefer yeah, just to put exactly. it. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is, yeah, 100%. Um, and the clubs have grown, and to be fair, our own club, there's so many people in it, you actually wouldn't believe, like, people come in as, say, if you're coming down from the country, sparing, and they're just looking at everyone in the club. It's such a big club, and there's great um, commitment from all the coaches and the boxers. But like I said, we have 12 coaches now, and the whole lot of them have a big, huge role in our preparation for our fight. Well, let's give a shout-out again, because I mentioned him here in the last few minutes, a shout-out to, to, to Shane Ford, um, Mickey Alden, and all the coaches and the gang down there at Talker Boxing, because the rate they're doing there and the rate they're turning you girls out. And <laughs> There's so many there, I actually can't even go through them. But, um, yeah, for basically um, my two in my corner, I love Louise and Mickey. Um, Mickey's there to push me on when I need it, and Louise is there then for the tears, but Mickey leave behind. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. Do you know I recorded that interview about two weeks ago? Is it two weeks, Nick? Two weeks ago now, I think. Uh, roughly, anyways, give or take. And uh, I was, I had it in the can and I was to decide when to put it and when not. And you know what? I think in the current climate and the way everything is right now, that's perfect timing. Brilliant, brilliant interview. Brilliant chat. And uh, Nicole just messaged me there as I let her know it was about to go out today. I hope I didn't make a langer of myself. Brilliant. Just perfect. And uh, well done to you. Keep it up. Stay doing whatever it is you're doing because it's 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 where it's working in all fronts. And as I said earlier on, shout out to Ryan as well. Apologies for getting the name wrong early on. One thing that I think you're going to have to do is put the foot down there and uh, prove to her who the boss is there. Because uh, if she doesn't already know, I'd say it's very clear. It's very clear. But thanks, as I said, brilliant. Really enjoyed that. I'm going to finish up this episode with something I saw earlier in the week and. I'm always wary, I'm always wary, and I'm always, I like to do what I say, the two, two, I like to use the two-seat car approach when I'm posting things and when I'm recording things, which to me is if somebody is sitting with me in a two-seater car to drive to Donegal or Cork or Kerry, 
uh, boy. And uh, could I repeat anything I say or post to the person if they sat beside me for a three-hour drive? Okay, so that's why I'm always mindful of it. I can I can do that. I'm happy with anything I've done and said in the past that I can, whatever the case may be. Saw a video earlier in the week, and the minute I saw it, I cringed. I I just absolutely knew what was coming. And it was, of course, by the WBO super middleweight champion of the world, Billy Joe Saunders. And, look, whatever he meant or whatever he didn't mean by it, I think it's, yet again, bad taste. It's bad taste no matter what the climate, no matter what is going on where. It's just bad taste. And I think it may have been an attempt, but the bottom line is it's it's just wrong. And I also saw a post this morning then, of course, from the champ himself, from Wayne McCullough. Shout out to you, Wayne. Be chatting with him really soon. And his lovely daughter, Winona, whose happy birthday we announced at the top of the show. Uh, really, really good. Uh, really to the point without dragging anybody's name into it. And of course, I'm dragging the names into it here now. I'm not sure who the female fighter was that they referred to. But the bottom line is, if you feel yourself getting a little bit tetchy in these few days and weeks, if you feel yourself getting a bit anxious, if you feel yourself getting to the point where stuff, people, things are annoying you, get out. Get out for a walk. Get out for a run. Do what I do. The five-minute disco. What's the five-minute disco? It's get into the car and drive five minutes around the block and blare in your headphones, preferably on the radio, your fo- your favourite songs from a certain time. Cheesy dance songs. Dance like an Egypt in the car. Shout, sing, perform to the world. And it does work. It definitely works. Whether it's with Nicole, as said earlier on, it's get for a run, clear your head, as Wayne always says to me, he goes for a run. 40-odd years of age, there's no excuse. None. Get out in the desert, get out in this field, get out wherever it is you are in this planet of ours and have a run on your own for the time being. It works. Whether it's a trampoline, whether it's a stairs, run up and down the stairs, anything you've got to do, do it. And just be cautious. As I said, people are hypersensitive right now, really sensitive. And there's certain things should never be joked about and laughed about. And that's one of them. And I can say I've had a friend, I've had a couple of friends, really dear, loved friends who have suffered at the hands of what these people joked about and referred to and it's not funny it's not funny I've seen what it does and I've seen how it shakes their con- I've seen how it devastates lives so it was in bad taste it was just all round bad and all I can say to people is over these next few days and weeks we're going to do our best here to bring content that's fa- fun filled fact filled and it's insightful and it might be a little bit sad at times it might be a little bit funny at times it might be a little bit oh jeez I wish you didn't hear that well so be it but it's always going to be positive and trying to lift because there's enough of the other sort around at the moment so over the next few days keep it in mind give us a shout be it a hashtag be it on twitter be it on facebook instagram email anywhere you got to do i've got a special voice message service coming really really soon on this podcast whatever you want to do get in touch we'll do everything we can here to make sure you get to hear what you want to hear stay safe stay sane keep smiling we'll get there so that's it for me and them until then. You'll find this and every other episode at www.endswellboxingpodcast.com And as always, love to get your messages. 083-351-5250 This is Jerry Cooney on Endswell Boxing. I want you for six rounds. You and me, baby, six rounds.